Welcome to the Live Treasure Podcast, brought to you by Treasured Ministries, where every week we coach you with steps of faith you can take today to change your tomorrow. And now, on to today's show. Hey there, everybody, and happy summertime to you. This week is really, I guess, the official start of of summer, Um, even though I always think about the beginning of summer, like when, when school ends, that's what happens you know, when you're a mom, you're kind of a mom calendar of when summer is. But anyway, on the calendar, it's the first um, week of summer. So we just want to give a shout out for that. And when, when summer hits in North Carolina, it gets so hot here. In fact, I think there's like a heat index advisory on the day that I'm recording this of 110 so it's it's really really hot, but anyway, um, so we we've been walking through our series uh, this summer on what it means to forgive. If you're just now joining us, I want to encourage you to subscribe um, to our podcast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, and you can go ahead and listen to um, the previous episodes inside of this series, but we've been talking about how um, that forgiveness is really a complex topic, but it's often oversimplified inside of church, and this ultimately creates more confusion about this vital, um, important, um, biblical concept that God has given us in order to heal our hearts and to hand us the keys to our freedom, but that there is wisdom inside of the word. And so this summer, the goal of this series is to dive deep into the word of God, is to glean that wisdom from the word. What does the word say about forgiveness um, and how do we apply that so that we can walk uh, free? And forgiveness does not mean that you throw wisdom out of the window when you're dealing with your um, offender. And one of the things that we um, discussed last week is that sometimes people that offend us um, will use religious rhetoric or scripture as a tool to manipulate us into premature reconciliation. Now, we talked about why people do that. You can go back, listen to that first podcast. I highly recommend that you do that. Each of these messages really is building um, on the other um, and and just bringing us deeper and deeper inside of that wisdom. But that when we offer that premature reconciliation, it can really prevent authentic repentance and really God's restoration for, for everybody. Because when we don't trust God for the process, um, it doesn't make room for him to work. And, um, and so I talked about how last week, um, I, I explained my own personal situation and how I, I just knew that something wasn't right. I wasn't sure of, of what was going on. And for me, it was becoming aware of what was and what was not my biblical responsibility that it gave me permission to pause. It gave me that um, that space, that freedom to draw boundaries and to deal with my offender with patience, with wisdom, and uh, with love. And so what I want to talk to you about today is what brought me that awareness. I want to share that resource with you. Then I'm going to be sharing with you um, 
what is your responsibility, your offender's responsibility, um, and, and talking about the importance of that. Um, and then I'm going to end today in giving you just some practical tips on if somebody is pressuring you into premature reconciliation, like what are things that you can say to that person to give you that space. Now, um, I also brought up last week that Joseph, um, when his brothers that wounded him, uh, when he finally met up with them, that he did not offer them instant reconciliation. In fact, he put them in prison. And you and I don't have that, right? I mean, I can't like throw anybody in prison. But what can I do? I can draw some boundaries. I can draw some boundaries. I can make some room for God to work. And so we're going to show you um, that. And I want to read again this quote from William Worsberry, who's my one of my favorite commentators um, on the Bible. But this is what he says about the way that Joseph dealt with his brothers. True repentance requires uh, sincere repentance and humble confession of sin. And it often takes time for a person to get to that place. I believe that Joseph dealt with his brothers in a patient, loving and wise way, and that is why his approach succeeded. God had to bring Joseph's brothers to the place where they admitted evil things that they had done to their brother and their father. Shallow repentance leads to an experience that isn't reconciliation at all. It's only a fragile uh, truce. And oftentimes, if that person that is wounding is an abuser, the abuse is going to continue. You might have a honeymoon period for a while, but it, it'll continue um, a, unless you trust God's process. Um, and, and again, it, be, it becomes confusing. And this is why a lot of times organizations who help, women's, who help women who have been through abuse, they want nothing to do um, with, you know, Christian organizations because um, it, of, of this, um, this misconception that abusers will use that religious rhetoric, they'll use scripture to try to push premature reconciliation. And sometimes um, a, a pastor will advise, yep, you need to forgive them. And the pastor is right, but there's a big difference between forgiveness and reconciliation um, and how we deal with those who have wounded us. We don't throw wisdom outside of the window. Okay, so um, so what brought me awareness to this? Um, and this was so powerful. Um, it was a book called Mending the Soul by Stephen uh, R. Tracy. And I highly recommend that book. He um, is a uh, seminary professor he has a ministry where he deals with victims of abuse, and he really brings clarity um, to the responsibilities that you have as someone who's been hurt and offended that your offender has and that God has inside uh, of the process of forgiveness. So I'm going to leave that link inside of our show notes if you're interested in ordering the book, and um, I highly recommend it. But inside of his book, he talks about the fact that there are three types of forgiveness. And inside of that, um, when you read it, you find that there's also three different loads or burdens for each person to carry. Now, I use that word loads or burdens because in Galatians um, 6, verses 4 and 5, it says, 
Each one should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. And we talked about last week that sometimes an offender will be looking to you to carry the load of their guilt and shame and sin. But that really is something that they need to bring to God. And if you carry that load for them, it will not be a permanent solution. It won't even be a permanent solution for for their guilt and shame. So that that's why I'm using that word load and because it comes from the Bible. But also to me, it gives this picture of like, you know, hands, and I only have so much that I can carry. And God has designed a load for me to carry, for my offender to carry, for him to carry. And if we all do our part, it's it's God's process, and it, and it makes it work. And so a part of that is understanding what your role and responsibility is and avoiding the temptation to take on another role. Now, somebody can try to push you into that role. We talked about that last week, but we've got to take ownership and say, I'm not going to be a victim to what other people are trying to push me to do. I can take ownership over what God has called me to do, and that's where I need to do the work. That's the load that I need to carry. I'm going to go back to that scripture in Galatians. Um, This time, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, starting in verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself, share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. Yeah, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. You won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. All right, what I want you to see is he begins by saying, you know, if you're helping somebody that's overcome by sin, um, you need to get that person on the right track. Um, And then it says, careful that you don't fall into the same temptation uh, yourself. Now, I think there's many temptations there, but one of them, I think, that prevents people from getting on the right track is when we fall into the temptation of carrying a load that is not our own. And that's why it's so important for you to understand your load. And really, you know, here's what the enemy does. He gets us carrying other people's loads, and then we're not doing our own work. I mean, you've got a load to carry when somebody offends you. We'll get into that inside of the next weeks. I don't mean to like shirk your responsibility, and it's not going to be easy, and sometimes it's not fun, but I'm telling you it works. But where I got have gotten confused in the past is I'm trying to carry everybody else's load. And then not only that, but I'm not doing my load. I'm not doing my work. And so because of that, nobody's winning except the enemy. Nobody's winning, all right? And it's time to set that straight, okay? And then I love this part in the New Living Translation. Pay careful attention to your own work. That's where you need to put your energy. 
That's where you need to put your emotional energy is in your own work. I saw a little, um, it was, I think it was a card, a greeting card or something like that. And it said, paddle your own canoe. And I think that's so, that's like the key here. It's like, do your work. And, um, and I think that we have to define what that work is. And especially when we go into the section of what is the offender's work and responsibility, we're going to take several weeks on that. So don't worry, I got you, boo. But today, what I want to talk about is I want to highlight for you, and this is something, this is from Mending the Soul by Stephen R. Tracy, those three types of forgiveness, and then the three different responsibilities and roles inside of them. So it's going to be sort of an overview, and then we're going to be diving deep, deep, deep. All right. So the first uh, type is judicial forgiveness. Um, only God can declare a sinner righteous and release shame. Um, now, we went into this um, in depth in episode two of this series, so you can go back and listen to that. I'm not going to go deep into that today, but that basically that only God can remove our sin and shame and that he offers it to everyone, but that there's a need to confess and repent and that offenders will try to come to you and they'll be looking for that release from their own guilt, from their own shame. And they want you to say to them what you did was okay, right? But you really can't offer a permanent solution to that. Only God can. And so you're not doing your offenders any favors by stepping in and releasing them to that. And again, go back and listen to episode two, um, Uh, and uh, that'll give you a little bit more insight um, into that. It goes deeper into that. The next um, forgiveness that he describes, this is where it's your responsibility, baby. And it's psychological. He calls it psychological forgiveness. And he says that this is releasing revenge and extending grace. Releasing revenge and extending grace. Now, I like to call this part, he calls it psychological. I like to call it, this is my load. And I like to call it taking my load back. Because really, when you do these parts, it it is so freeing. I mean, we're going to get into this and you're, you're getting ready to get some keys to freedom. It's going to be so awesome. And it's, it's really freeing. And I can't go, because of time, and we're going to be spending more time on this, I'm not going to go into this today, but it is absolutely 100%. You can't get around it. There are no loopholes in the Bible for it. Your part is to release revenge, getting right, getting back at your offender, and extending grace. Now, extending grace doesn't mean that you don't draw boundaries. It doesn't mean that you trust that person again. We'll be getting into that. It doesn't mean that you have to have these warm, fuzzy feelings about this person either. It means that you are trusting God. It really means that you're taking yourself off the hook of the offender and you're hanging on to God. In fact, Um, one part that I want to add to this is that it's, to me, it's not just releasing revenge and, and extending grace. It is shifting my faith to God to receive healing and redemption. And the cool thing that I want you to see about this part is that 
the powerful thing about this part and probably the way that you've operated in forgiveness in the past when it was so confusing to you is that in the past, it really was, it was like up to the offender or up to this person to change or up to this or that. And now like you can own it and do it and you can go ahead and grab onto your freedom and go because these things are under your control. You don't have control over what another person does or says about you, right? And you don't have the ability to offer judicial forgiveness. You can't do that. But these parts you can do. And when you look in the Bible, it doesn't mean that you're letting go of justice. It doesn't mean that you're letting go and the offender is getting off the hook. Quite the contrary. It means you get your freedom back. That's what it means. And we'll be getting into this in deeper um, in deeper ways um, in the following weeks. And then the last way, the last thing, type of forgiveness, he calls it relational um, forgiveness. I like to call this reconcile because that to me um, is just a term that I'm more familiar with. And this is where there's that restored relationship and trust. And it's when the offender acknowledges they're wrong and they show actions that prove real change to restore the relationship. And that's 100% on the offender. 100%. I'm going to read that again. Acknowledge the wrong and show actions that prove real change to restore the relationship. Listen, the part that I want to highlight on that is that every woman out there listening to this, you know what you need to believe, not what somebody tells you. Anybody can say, I'm sorry. But somebody that has really changed will give you action, will show you action, and it won't just be an act. It'll be action. What do you need to believe? You need to believe behavior. I talked about a story last week when that person came and apologized to me up one side and down the other. And then very quickly, she went back into her old way. She started using religious rhetoric to try to get me to premature reconcile. And there was no real apology. No real apology. Now, we talked about that verse in... um, inside of Galatians. And I I really want to highlight that again, because there is power um, in owning your personal responsibility. And there will be work that you will have to do when somebody offends you. Make no mistake about it. But when you own your personal responsibility and you release others to do theirs, you are making room for God to work, not only in your offender's life, but in your life as well. And you will come out on the other side a stronger person. 2,000%. Promise. 2,000%. Here's the thing. If you are a codependent or you have codependent tendencies, and I do a zillion podcasts on that, you know I'm passionate about that because God brought me through that. But if you're a codependent, one of the things that we tend to do is we tend to take on responsibility of others that is not ours to carry. We tend to take on other people's responsibilities. We are consistently trying to manage the world 
by controlling other people's perceptions about us, by taking on this responsibility of how you feel, and it applies to forgiveness. And so we take on all these loads that are not ours to carry. And then here's the other really wild and wacky and weird thing about codependency is that we also then make other people responsible for our own load. And to me, it's this picture. It is this picture of there's these loads when there's a fence that everybody has to carry. There's loads that God carries, your offender, and you. And a codependent will try to pick up God's responsibility and the other person's responsibility, and then she's wondering why She's still entrapped to that offender. You know what I'm talking about. They own that mental real estate inside of your mind. And then you start getting mad at your offender, right? I mean, and, and, because, and, and, and not only your own personal responsibility. And here's an example of that. Well, I trusted you again. And I did this again. And then you did that to me again. And the thing is, in that scenario, it's not your responsibility for another person to change. And, and, and the thinking behind that was, okay, I will, I will forgive this person and I will carry their load and I will be in relationship with them and then that person needs to treat me with respect again. And so see how I'm like, then I make somebody else responsible for me not making any more passive aggressive comments on my end towards my offender because that person needs to do right now. And I don't know if this is making any sense or clarity or it's, it's kind of a hard concept to explain. But the big bottom line that I want you to see and go back to that scripture in Galatians is that You've got a load, your fender has a load, God has a load. And if you are busy trying to carry other loads, you are not going to have the energy or room to do your own work. And then you're going to get mad because other people aren't playing the parts that you wanted them to play. And what you need to do is to drop everything and pick up your load and then let God do the rest. That's what you need to do. And so we're, we're going to be talking about that. And when we get in this scenario where we're carrying other people's loads and, and all of that, then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, for me, I'll just tell you for me, then the victim mentality comes into play. And I'm like, I can't do all this. And everybody always does this to me. And I'm powerless in this situation. No, you're not. Joseph was never powerless. He wasn't powerless in the pit. He wasn't powerless in the prison. And he was wise. And wise women know that the wisdom is in the word. And the word defines for you what your responsibility is. You've got to take your personal responsibility to carry your own load. All right. 
So we talked about this last week that offering instant reconciliation can prevent authentic restoration um, and repentance. I want to read this quote to you um, from the Mending the Soul book. And this is from uh, page 185 in, in the book. It says this, while humans cannot offer judicial forgiveness, they can hinder abusers from finding God's forgiveness when they fail to press offenders for full ownership of their behavior or when they misplace blame for the abuse. Sadly, the Christian church has quite a history of blaming the victims of abuse, especially when the abuser is a male church leader. More insidiously, judicial forgiveness is hindered when churches or families press for premature reconciliation, which, in addition to re-abusing the victim, often serves to validate and solidify the offender's denial of wrongdoing, thus preventing him or her from experiencing God's forgiveness. And again, I'm going to leave the link to that book inside uh, of the show notes today. Um, But here's the thing. Um, Rushing reconciliation when not ready prevents true restoration and is not really God's intention. Now, in um, messages, um, in further messages that we'll be doing inside of uh, the podcast, I'm going to be going deep into really what is your personal responsibility because that's that's the part really that you can take ownership over and and where you'll see change. So we'll be getting into that and in, into future in future messages. But what I want you to see today um, is really just how the awareness of what is and what is not your biblical responsibility gives you that permission to pause, to draw boundaries, and to deal with your offender with patience and wisdom um, and love. And the truth about it is, is that trusting God's process, it doesn't guarantee reconciliation. Because you know what else? What else is this? God is not going to carry the load of an offender's choice. God gives us free will. And so not even he is going to make a person, you know, change. He offers us um, change and he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can change. But there's always a part that we have to play. And praise God for that because that's real love. Real love doesn't control and by the way, when you are thinking that you're like super Christian because you're, you know, you think forgiveness is trusting this person again and being nice, you know, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff like that, you're, you are not letting them take responsibility and it doesn't make room for God to work. All right. So, um, so I want to just close out this podcast today by equipping you with three things that you can do when you get pushed like that. Um, I mean, it's still hard. And I still, I still, you know, the renewing the mind, 
that is something I have to go back to, like what is, what is not my responsibility. And it's like you've carried the other load for so long on your life. It seems counterintuitive to do it this way. And I just want to encourage you today that um, that there's just there's permission in the pause, all right? So, so if there's somebody, if you ever find yourself being pushed for premature reconciliation, um, I'm going to give you these three things that you can do. I think it's important to sort of have these in the back of your head to give you that permission um, to draw a boundary and to pause. The first thing is that you want to draw that boundary um, to create that room so that everybody can, you know, think right uh, through that. Um, in John chapter eight, there's a story of a woman that was caught in adultery and the Pharisees come and they're getting ready to stone her. They're accusing her. They've, you know, caught her in the act of adultery. They're doing all this um, not because they care about her or they want to restore the relationship or whatever. They're doing this because they want to trick Jesus. Um, and, and so they're, they're using this woman to do that. And lots of beautiful moments in that story. But Jesus confronts the Pharisees, and then it says he stoops down and he writes in the sand. And then he talks to the Pharisees again, and then he stoops down again and writes in the sand. And, you know, Different theologians have different opinions on what Jesus was writing in the sand. And I don't know what he was writing in the sand. And I don't know, um, you know, which theologian is right. But what I do see is that Jesus drew a boundary, that he stood between the woman and the Pharisees. And when that happened, it gave the Pharisees time to think, and they dropped their stones. And he also came to the woman, and he addressed you know, he told her, go and sin no more, right? And so, so he, it gave everybody space to think, draw a boundary. And then you want to be prepared with little things to say so that you can um, draw a boundary. And the very first thing that I want to encourage you with, if that is somebody is pressing you to say, um, that it was okay or that, you know, it didn't bother you, that it's okay to say, I'm not ready. If somebody comes to you and says, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't judge and doesn't the man upstairs tell you that you need to forgive? You can say, I'm, I'm clear on what the word says. And right now I'm not ready. And here's the thing. God knows everything everything that happened, just like he did with a woman caught in adultery. He knew what was going on and he knows, he knows your offender. He knows that when that person sat at my kitchen table, I told that story last week and she apologized up one side and down the other, and then quickly flipped to wanting to control the narrative to how the story was told, and then telling me that what the Bible says and that I needed to, you know, fall back in line or whatever. You know, God, He knows everything. And instead of feeling like you should rush reconciliation, if you're not ready, it's probably the Holy Spirit giving you that nudge to pause. And it's okay not to be ready. And it's okay for you to say, you know, I'm not ready. And here's another good tip about setting boundaries. Um, I actually talked about this last summer um, in our series, Shift Your Lips. But 
whenever you set a boundary, um, don't apologize for that. Like a lot of women might say, you know, I'm not ready and I'm really sorry about that. Don't say that. Or don't even say, I'm sorry, I'm not ready. Don't say that. Say this instead. You know, I'm not ready. I'm sure you understand. That phrase, I'm sure you understand. It is a great phrase whenever you're setting boundaries, by the way. And you know what? It's okay for you to say, you know, I'm not ready. And you know, one of the reasons why it's important for us to say that, to give yourself some room and some space, um, Matthew chapter 18 in the parable of the unmerciful servant where Jesus deals with forgiveness, um, it says that we have to forgive from the heart. And if it's fake reconciliation, and if you say to an offender, you know what, that's okay, when it really wasn't okay, you know, that's not that's not real, people. It's not real. And if somebody is truly sorry for how they treated you, they will let you have space. And if they are pushing, then, you know, that's their issue, not theirs. All right, so one thing you can say is, and, and just know it's okay to say, I'm not okay. And then this, another idea is to say, um, I understand that you want forgiveness. Have you sought the Lord for that? I mean, that would just turn them on their heads, right? What about this? I feel like you're pressing me into trusting you again. And I need time. And, and when you say, I feel like, that's always good. Because you're not saying, like, you're pressuring me into. But you're, and you, you can even say it like this. I know you may not mean to, but I feel like you are pressing me into trusting you again. And I need time before I can do that. And I also need to see and then fill in the blank. And the fill in the blank should be an action. So you can see a measured, you know, result of, of change. Um, a good friend of mine um, walked through uh, her husband having um, an affair. And he um, went to a men's retreat and was sincerely repentant. And he came back to her. And he told her, and he asked for her forgiveness. And then he said, what do you need from me? And she thought about it for a while, and she had a list of things. Like, like one of their things was that, you know, they had to share a Facebook account. And, then, and she had this whole list of things that he had to do. And, and you know what? He did them, and he was patient. Because he knew that was a part of the process. And this day, their marriage is strong. But why was it? Because she, because she said, didn't just lay down her guard right at the get-go. Okay, it's okay, I forgive you. She said that she needed to see some concrete actions. And when we give people actions, because actions will tell us what people actually believe. All right, so these are three things that you can just be prepared with. Now, I want to say that you really need to pray through these and, you know, um, 
really seek the Lord on that and let him guide you through that. Um, because sometimes offenders are not safe at all for us to say anything with, and we just need to stay away from them. And you can still forgive an abusive offender and never see them because that's business that you do with God. We'll be talking about that next week. Um, but you know, it may not even be safe for you to engage in conversation with a person um, like this. And I would highly encourage you to definitely um, work with a counselor um, through that, somebody that, that you can trust. Um, but, it's, but at any rate, if you don't know what to say, can I just tell you it's okay to say, you know what, I'm not ready. It's okay to say that. I'm not ready and I need some time. And then you can take some time um, to process through what has happened. Um, and, and for example, if you say, I feel like you're pressuring me into trusting you again, and I need some time before I can do that, and I need to see, but you don't know what the actions are yet, just say, you know what, I'm not ready. And then you have room and space that you can provide for that person to show you with the way that they act, that they're truly sorry for how they treated you. Joseph did the same thing. We'll be getting into that into next weeks. Um, And then the final thing that I want to just encourage you with is that you must know your Bible for you and not to um, try to defend yourself against your offender. Let your validation for drawing your boundary, for saying you're not ready, all those things, let that come from the Lord and stand confident and firm in that. You don't need to explain like the Mending the Soul book and the three types of forgiveness and you know, listen to this podcast. They're not going to want to hear it if they're not ready. But you know it for you so that you can be confident and wise. Because awareness of what is and what is not your biblical responsibility gives you permission to pause, draw boundaries, and deal with your offender with patience, wisdom, and love. All right. So that wraps up today's episode episode three in our series our summer series what does it mean to forgive next week um, i'm going to be talking to you about your own personal responsibility inside of messy relationships and you're going to see that it's really a gift and a blessing when you put god's wisdom into your life because you'll watch how it opens the keys to your freedom so you can move forward with a healed heart and become all that God has created you to be. Hey, I've got something to ask you. One of the ways that you can support Treasured Ministries at absolutely no cost to you is heading over to iTunes and writing us a review and leaving a rating. It helps other women to find our podcasts and expands our reach. Thanks so much. And I appreciate you and, and, and cannot wait to take a dive, a dip into the pool next week when we begin to own our own personal responsibility and walk 
forward because you've got a purpose to do and that purpose matters. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.